Welcome to Fun is Fundamental. Fun is Fundamental is a podcast for those who realize that the enjoyment of life is about having something deep in our souls which lights our fire. It's for those who maybe have lost that fire and feel like they are missing out on the pleasures of life. In each episode, I will share recent fun activities and focus on why having fun is essential for good health. I'm your host, Elena, and I invite you to take this journey with me and join the pleasure-seeking movement. Hi, welcome to Fun is Fundamental. Welcome back. (laughs) I was not intending to take a two-month hiatus, but I'm glad I did. I needed to. We went on a very big vacation during that time, and... I, it was just so hectic trying to get it all sorted and arranged and then to go do it that I don't think I could have really come back in October like I originally planned. So thus why it was longer than I made it sound like it would be on social media. But I'm back. We're going to ha- start having episodes again. Next week I'll talk about how amazing that trip was but this week I have a very special guest she is by far one of my absolute favorite guests I've had so far and conversations she is absolutely lovely she is Valerie David she's an award-winning writer and actress she won multiple awards with her one woman show the pink hulk one woman's journey to find the superhero within and it's about her journey to become a three-time cancer survivor (laughs) like not just once not just twice three times it's just unbelievable so inspiring she is totally kick-ass Uh, she's a fighter and a beautiful person. I absolutely adore her. Uh, she also has a solo show baggage from Baghdad becoming my father's daughter. And it's about her father's having to flee his home of Iraq in 1941 because they were Jewish and they were being persecuted. And about that journey so she is from both of those (laughs) so both of those you know topics and stories that she's telling on stage clearly she has no qualms about being vulnerable and honest and human (laughs) and i just really admire her and she's absolutely lovely and I have no doubt that you will enjoy this episode hearing her talk as much as I enjoyed hearing her talk. Uh, She is amazing. And I, you know, I found myself like tearing up when she's talking about um, her journey and, but she's also super funny and just absolutely charming and delightful. So enjoy this episode with Valerie. Good evening, Valerie. 
Good evening. Thank you so much for having me here. Oh, I'm so happy that you're here. Uh, it's it, we. It's great to talk to you again. It's been a while. So. Yes, we get an A for effort. Yeah. We, <laughs> we get an A plus because now we are here together. Now we're actually here. <laughs> we, we aced it. We aced it. Woohoo! <laughs> uh, how has your How has your summer been? It's been an amazing summer and uh, into the fall, I have been away performing and traveling since for the past few months and it's been wonderful and I've loved every minute of it and feel very lucky and blessed to be yeah. able to, to, to do what I'm doing. Yes. And how's your summer been? Oh, pretty good. I, uh, kind of had a career change and things like that but um yeah it's it's been fun to have be doing something different yeah exactly change is good change yeah change is good yeah. uh speaking of performing uh I know your your main your main uh show is the pink hulk um how did that come into fruition what's the backstory of how you started it? Sure, sure. Uh, that's a great question. And um, yes, I have an um, award-winning solo show called The Pink Hulk, One Woman's Journey to Find the Superhero Within. And it's based on, originally, it was based on being a two-time cancer survivor. And then I'll tell you how the story changed. So I had um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, stage three. And then 15 years later, I found a lump and uh, I had a weird feeling it was under my armpit. And I was like, mm, I don't think this is good. So, uh, but the crazy thing is, and this is such a lesson and such what I want to also stress, I had was starting a new job with new insurance and it was better insurance than what I had. So I was going to wait to check on the lump till the new insurance kicked in. And one of my dear friends, Joan, I was out to, to with, with her to uh, get coffee. And I, she's like, how are you doing? I'm like, oh, I found a lump, but she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, but my new insurance is kicking in in about three months. <laughs> and she's like, what? And she's like, you are going to the doctor now. And I was like, okay. And she's like, why? But it goes to show you your health is more important right? Then the health insurance and the fact that I was going to wait, I don't know what it would have happened if I waited. So I went to the doctor, this was a Friday, Monday, I went to the doctor and by Tuesday I was back in the cancer hospital and they were like, yep, this is not good. So, um, I would then was diagnosed with stage two breast cancer and went through chemo and radiation and surgery and with lymphoma, I just had had chemo. So I was, you know, and so why the pink Hulk happened is that I was like mad. I was like, what? I already had cancer before and now I have a new one. And when I found the lump, it was right before I was leaving for my 15th 
anniversary celebration of being cancer free. And so like I had cancer when I was at my trip and, and didn't you know I had, so it was like ironic. I was like, Oh, I'm cancer free 15 years. And then I had the lump, you know, there. And I even had a friend that felt the lump on the armpit when we went to Aruba to celebrate. And she was like, yeah, that's not good. So, um, so I, you know, I had a lot of angels looking out for me. So I, so why the cold cap and so when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, um, how this all came about is that I went to high school with Mark Ruffalo, the, the current Hulk, Marvel Hulk. And I had emailed him late, late night at night. And I said, Mark, I'm so mad. I got cancer again. I could be, um, the Hulk, but I would be your pink counterpart. And that's the way the title came. Oh, I actually, I, worked, I could be your Hulk counterpart, but I would be pink. So then, um, so, so that, that the name had happened and the pink Hulk because a hulking out on cancer and the ribbon for lymphoma is the lime green of the Hulk green. And then pink is breast cancer. So it represented the both cancers and hulking out on cancer, fighting back and saying, nope, I'm going to knock it down, cancer smash. And then, um, so then when you were talking about like a career change, after I had finished treatment, I just wanted to I just wanted to do something else. I, I was at, at a great job, but it was high stress. And I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. So for the first time ever, I had quit a job without having a job. And um, my parents were fully supportive. And, you know, I was saying to myself, I've got to write this show, um, The Pink Hulk. I feel like there's, it was like, it was coming out, coming out. I was like, I've got to write this. And I had, and when I quit my job, um, my, the, my, the head of the company was like, you know what? I know you're going to fly with this. I know I, I, we have full confidence in you and, and we know you're making the right decision for yourself and we're so happy for you. And you, you have this purpose and we support you on that. And I'm still in touch with them to this day. Um, yeah about it. And so it was really lovely. And then I took, I, right after my last day, I went on a writing course and, uh, at Omega Institute and the, um, Nancy and Franny were the people that were running the class and we would write out, you know, all day. And then we, we would share our writings and she's like, you are a writer. You have a story in there because a common theme was coming up and it was having to do with the cancer. And in less than five months, it was written and a full production. Uh, it was in, an incredible experience. The other thing, which is I'll share with you, which was funny, is that I was in an air cast, so I wasn't very mobile. So I, um, I remember I started writing it because my whole family uh, at Thanksgiving was watching college football. And I was like, I'm going to start writing this. So I took my scooter and I scooted myself and my one of my, my sister's um, sunroom and started writing and couldn't stop. And it was so interesting. Um, the other thing is to, you have to do what you have to do. And I remember my mother and father are just, they're the greatest parents, but they were worried about me. And they're like, you just finished treatment eight years ago, eight, eight, sorry, not eight years ago, eight months ago. 
you finished treatment eight months ago. I, we think this is too soon for you to do this. This is too taxing emotionally and physically. And I'm like, nope, I'm doing it, you know? And I was like, I'm not gonna let anything stop me. And I think that that is the theme of the pink Hulk is not to let anything stop you. And I did a bike marathon um, only to, um, uh, like less, like two months after I finished treatment, I did a 40 mile bike marathon wow. and it had just finished eight months of treatment. So I was determined. And I think that's the message. Keep going and keep going. So I was a two-time cancer survivor. And then four years after the second diagnosis, I had really bad chest pains and I was like, uh oh, this isn't good. So I was like, I don't have a good feeling about this. And they were really bad chest pains, which was very similar to the chest pains I had when I had lymphoma because the, I had a tumor in my chest and it was causing a lot of pain and coughing. And I, and I felt that same thing again. And this is now, uh, let's see, 15, 16, 19 years later. So the first time, um, and then 15 years was breast cancer. Then after the four, four, then four years after that, I was at a right, I was a writer in residence at this, um, live and in color at this place where I was developing baggage from Baghdad, which I know we'll be talking about that uh, a little later. Um, and I called my doctor from the, the retreat and I said, I have cancer again. And she's like, Valerie, I'm sure it's a pulled chest muscle. And nope. I've got cancer again. So then they were like, okay, well, I know you've got a checkup coming up. We'll check it out. And lo and behold, third diagnosis with cancer. Mm -hmm. And this time it was stage four metastatic breast cancer. And I found out the, um, well, first, interestingly enough, I was in a festival with the pink Hulk and I had to have a PET scan and I was performing the Pink Hulk in New York at a festival. I had gotten into the final, I was a finalist and I didn't have time to go home. I knew. So I had taken all of my props and my costume and I got ready in the hospital. <laughs> like I was in the bathroom putting makeup on and everyone's like, good luck, break a leg, you know? And I was like, thanks. <laughs> Hauling my suitcase of props from a cancer hospital directly to the new New York, New Works um, theater festival. Um, and, uh, and who Gene is a wonderful friend who runs it. And so uh, I had, I didn't tell anyone, but I was like, okay, show must go on. So then, so that was during the times where I was finding out, like getting all the tests. And then I was going to Portland to open up the show in a festival. And I got the phone call the day the show was opening in Portland as I was entering the theater that you have stage four metastatic breast cancer. And I kept going and I did the show that night and finished the run. Uh, so I think that what the pink Hulk stands for is perseverance and to keep going no matter what happens and that you have to live your life. And I think that's what cancer taught me. And right now, I have no evidence of disease, which is uh, a miracle. I, I actually had um, picked the drug that I was to be on. Um, I had studied its ad campaign um, as a copy editor. Um, I do freelance copy editing uh, in between uh, touring. And 
I had worked on this campaign, this drug, and it was for metastatic breast cancer. And I was like, wow, that looks like a great jug, jug, but I don't have metastatic breast cancer. And then eight months later I did. And I'm like, can I try this drug? And my doctor's like, sure. You know, it's, I, I, I got her blessing. And then in less than five months, it worked a hundred percent. And wow. so it's just been a miracle. And so I'm so grateful. And, and that's why I feel the show became even more important and became way bigger than myself because it was not about, it wasn't about Valerie's cancers. It's about fighting back any adversity in life. And mm -hmm. it became a huge um, mission for me to, to keep doing the show. And now with this third ending, I've had to change the story three times two-time cancer survivor, then another ending, I have cancer, but I'm going to fight it. And then I got, I smashed it. And that's the third ending. So I think that people really respond to it. And I think that's been such a wonderful thing because people come up to me afterwards and saying how much it's impacted them, um, whether they're cancer patients and, or cancer survivors, loved ones, caregivers, um, a man, in Indianapolis came up to me with his wife and he said, I now understand what my wife goes through. So thank you for painting that picture because, but my show is very, very funny. There's a lot of humor to it. And I also don't sugarcoat things. And so part of being a writer is that you have to be honest and I'm very honest in my work. And, uh, and that's what we, you need to be as an artist is to be honest. And uh, it's been, you know, um, the also what the magic that I feel is the audience. The magic is the audience. They, their audiences have been amazing. And I've been inspired by the audiences as well. Cause we, I have talk backs and we talk after the show uh, and I either have it with myself or doctors, uh, oncologists, uh, nurses, um, I have fellow cancer survivors and that are on the panels with me every show we do, I do something where we talk to the audience and it's really been amazing to hear their stories. And the other thing is that I raise money for cancer organizations, uh, through, through, for all the places I've gone, I've gone to now, I think I'm up to over 47, um, engagements of the show. Uh, 24 cities, four different countries in Europe. And I always try to raise money um, uh, at, with my performances to help cancer organizations as well. And I think that's what I feel is the most important thing about being an artist. It's not just performing. It's also what can you do to, to inspire and motivate and uplift others who are going through challenges in their life, whether it's cancer or not cancer. I had a, a someone, um, I went to Iceland last year and he's like, I, I broke up with my girlfriend. I've been very depressed. And then I saw your show and I felt so much better. So thank you. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's really, it's really been wonderful, uh, responses that I'm very grateful for. And I get so much inspiration from, the uh from the audiences and at the end I wear a pink cape uh, like my superhero uh persona and a cancer patient who had who has who has breast cancer and this was uh 
uh, recently um, had said, can I put your cape on after the show? And I put it on, she put it on and she started flying around the theater. And it was just, she, it was just, it was incredible. And she's, it's just been great uh, to, to, to uplift people. And I also, um, once a month, I also do improv workshops with cancer patients um, at a particular organization. And I've been, keynote speakers at um, conferences and telling my story and hoping that uh, that it helps inspire because we need that right now. There's so much going on right now and not just health wise, but we're it's been all very challenging for the for so many people. And so I hope that I provide hope. That's my goal. And my last line of my play is never, ever, ever give up. So that's the theme of that show. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. Your determination and perseverance is very inspiring and your authenticity. Um, I definitely I can see how you would touch so many lives with your, your story and, you know, who you are as a person. So, you know, thank you. So. Yeah, and, I, and thank you so much. And I think the other thing is to be, and you, you know, we've all heard this, you be your own best advocate and that's for anything. And I think that's helped me so much. Like I recently got this bill uh for from the hospital for seventeen hundred dollars and I was like um hello I called I'm like um what are we gonna do about this because I don't feel that this was right in the calculations and it's not something I feel I need I should be paying for and guess what they said your balance is zero so it's like it's like yeah. So it's like sticking up for yourself. And I think that's what cancer taught me is to stick up for myself and to have a voice. Um, because I was allergic to one of the medications and this is in the pink Hulk. And I kept saying, I can't breathe. I don't feel well, this isn't normal. And I was kind of, Oh, I'm sure you're okay. And we'll, set a, a, an appointment with a pulmonologist, pulmonologist to check the breathing. And that never happened mm. until I called the mm -hmm. pulmonologist. And I was like, what do you have today? I'm coming in. Okay. I'll be, I'm on my way. So that's what, and I was allergic. And if it weren't for me directly calling myself and saying, when can you fit me in? I'm going to be there. Mm -hmm. Then I, I don't, I would, it, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. And I was put, I was taken off that chemo drug immediately mm -hmm. um, and could breathe after that. So it's really having a voice and listening to your inner voice, also the, your gut. So when they were saying, oh, no, you don't have cancer. When I was like, I call, I was like, I've, I've literally like, can you get the doctor on the phone? I have cancer. Um, knowing your that inner voice and we all have it. We all have that intuition. It's whether we choose to listen to it or not. And I always listen to it, you know, and uh, 
most of the time, 99.99999999 times I am correct. And so, but we all have that capability. We all have that self-awareness. We just need to keep tapping into that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been really important and has, has made me survive because of it, because I, when I feel something, it doesn't, my little inner voice doesn't go, it goes, (laughs) so I, I don't ignore it anymore. And I think, yeah. And I think that it's, it's it, that voice serves you well in many instances, not just health, just mm-hmm. across the board. If you have that funny feeling, there's usually a reason. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I mean, I think it's really unfortunate that, um, I mean, especially, I think in health, especially, but in general, that how much people's intuition is just like swash, like, no, you're wrong. You just right, you're, right. you're taught not to trust your intuition. It's so true. And I think the other, you know, light bulb moment of all this is too, is that with all of this, with because I'm in treatment for life. So I get checked every six weeks for the rest of my life. And I can't live in fear. I won't live in fear. So every time we go to the doctor, I'm like, okay, I'm not like, oh my God, you know, this could be it. This is what if this test comes back. I can't live my life like that. And I won't live my life like that. I will not live in fear. And I'm in treatment for life. Um, I'm on oral medication, which is wonderful um, uh, to that. They have these drugs because not so long ago, they didn't have this. And there wasn't much they could do. So, uh, I'm, I'm, and I think we've advanced so much in cancer that for, for what I'm seeing for myself, it's more of something chronic, but it's not going to like, I feel like I'll get hit by a New York bus before cancer takes me down, you know, (laughs) or I'll be hit by a bike messenger, you know? So I'm living, my, a full life. I'm living the glass fully full and it's my oral medications don't stop me from doing anything. Um, I, you know, there, there's side effects, joint pain, blah, 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 but whatever, you know, like it's nothing that's going to stop me. And I think that that's been such a breakthrough um, and they're always coming up with things. And part of the talkbacks that I have is I, tr- I try to have experts, oncologists, experts, and to help say what, what's new, what's coming down the pike to help educate myself and to educate others. For instance, the drug that that was a new drug that came out that I was like, I'd like to try it. And so there's so many options and clinical trials and things, you know, I just saw on the news that Olivia Newton-John's um, cancer center uh, um, has now, like they said, the gift that the headline was the gift of Olivia Newton-John is that her cancer center just found a breakthrough in, in, uh, in one of the cancers. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's been wonderful to see that that happening, that it's giving all people hope that even if, if there's 
God forbid, a cancer diagnosis, it's it's not going to have to be a death sentence mm-hmm. at all. In fact, yeah. it's it's living your best life in spite of it and because of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I know other people who have survived cancer and it's like it not, you know, obviously like can't fighting cancer is hard, but it ends, you know, you grow as a person to be like a better person on the other side. You know? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've become much more empathetic, um, you know, um, a great, just even in the smallest instances, like when um, I, I had mentioned I was in the air cast and I, you know, I was like, I was on a scooter for a few months and I really was like, I, you know, you just become more empathetic when you realize that, um, that it's, there are other people suffering in the world and that people need that empathy to recognize that whether it's from physical or anything like just to be more empathetic. And I think it, in, in my family relations and best friends got closer because of it. Uh, I had one, I, you know, wonderful family and friends that would come stay with me when uh, the chemo was rough. And especially when I had that allergic reaction before they found out that, uh, it was an allergic reaction and people were coming over, bringing meals, uh, helping me with my laundry because chemo wipes you out. And so to have people going, I will do your laundry. I will take you to appointments. I was never by myself. And I, it was kind of like a project. Like it was like this, uh, I had radiation for, um, a little over, uh, four weeks and I had a calendar and I'm like, and it's every day, five days a week, Monday through Friday. I was like, okay, sign up. Who's going to go with me Monday night. Who's going to go with me Tuesday night. And people were wonderful and came with me. And then you meet so many incredible people that patients that you, especially with radiation, you have radiation the same time every day. And so mine, mine was like at six o'clock and you meet all the people, the six o'clockers, you know, and you, you just, it's really amazing. And you become really good friends and, uh, and you're like, yeah, like I'm, I'm up, you know, and it's, and so it's like this little, and you've heard this before, like a club, um, that, you know, and you just make so many great friends. And, um, I had one friend, uh, Lily, that we would end up in the hospital together. Cause I, had some complications and I'd be like, call her, Hey, are you here? You know, and I would <laughs> we'd visit each other, <laughs> and, you know, in our hospital rooms, you know, um, it, seriously, it was like, it was like crazy. I was like, I think Lily's here. Hey, Lily, you know, are you here? And, um, so you just meet so many incredible people. And then the people that help you, the social workers and the doctors and the nurses, I was very lucky to have a really great network and people were just really great to me. Um, and, and if they weren't, you know, I had a voice to say how I felt also, cause it's not always smooth sailing. Um, you know, sometimes, uh, we all, we're all human. And so, um, sometimes it wasn't a great ride and, but you, you, you know, you really, 
I'm really grateful. And I, there's a lot of gratitude for the people who helped me along the way and still help me because I go to my doctor every six weeks. So, uh, and she's been wonderful um, in helping me. I'm using wonderful a lot in this conversation. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> but it's sincere and true. I mean, I'll try to use another word. It's no, okay. fab. It, they're fab, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, but yeah. So uh, I've been very lucky um, and learned a lot from all this as well. Um, um, how did. How did the p pandemic affect you doing well, the Pink Hulk and everything? It didn't stop. It didn't stop. Um, in 2020, um, I have to, I'll look up, uh, I had done 13 performances. Wow. Um, and they were virtual, but I still did it. And I think for me, the pandemic didn't stop me because interestingly enough, the pandemic is very similar to what a cancer patient goes through. So we had, when you're under chemo, you have to be very careful to not be around crowds. Your immune system is shot. So what happened with the pandemic is already what I had happened as a cancer patient. So mm -hmm. it wasn't a shock to the system because I used to having to shelter in place because I wasn't allowed to go out when my counts dropped um, and I was susceptible to infection where there were a lot of complications where I did have to go to the hospital, um, the chemo affected and I'd get a fever and I'd have to go to the hospital and stay there for several days. So. It wasn't, uh, it, it was something I was familiar with. And therefore, since I've been down that road and, and I've talked to so many cancer patients about it, that, that what happened during the pandemic was what happened to all of us as when we were in treatment. Mm -hmm. And so it didn't stop me from, you know, it was in person, it stopped performances, but Zoom had opened up a door to be able to do performances and reach a wider audience. Mm -hmm. So if I did a show in New York in person, my friends from California weren't going to go to see it. They couldn't physically, but on Zoom, they could. And I, I beamed in, uh, I did the Ludlow Fringe Festival. I did the Reykjavik Fringe Festival in England and uh, overseas virtually uh, and, um, Iceland and San Francisco. And, um, and it was just incredible. And then 2021, I st had started doing in-person overseas. Uh, I had hit right Iceland, right at the right point. They had just opened up the, the, the restrictions were lifted two days before I flew in. And then I was there for 13 days, uh, doing the show. And then about a two weeks later, they put the restrictions back. So I hit like hit it right, like the best, like the best time frame. Mm -hmm. And so I kept doing the show. And and then in October of last year, I um, the other thing that I'm very grateful for is I I had gotten some grants to do the show. So I was able to put up 
um, this production at the Cell Theater in Manhattan, which was an incredible theater space. I loved every minute of it. It was an incredible experience and I produced it as well. And so I was hiring the tech and hiring the house manager and hiring uh, the lighting and all this. And so uh, hiring, getting, you know, uh, renting the space, getting it videoed, getting a microphone, like every single aspect of it, getting the, having, hiring someone to do the programs, hiring someone to do the e-blast. So, uh, and, and that was right at the right pocket in October in New York, where then Omicron hit right after. Mm -hmm. So I have performed the show in person right at the mark where it was okay and things were open and everyone was masked at the in-person performance. Mm -hmm. uh, but there was no outbreak, you know, uh, from the show that, um, yeah. uh, and everybody was safe, but then Omicron hit a few weeks later and then things changed. So, mm -hmm. uh, and then this year, uh, I was able to go to Ohio. I, I had won an award for in the Reykjavik Fringe in 2021 that brought me back to Iceland, uh, to the West Fjords, uh, which is uh, the, a beautiful part of Iceland and did the show there. Um, then Ohio and then uh, baggage from Baghdad. Also, I was doing that at the same time and performing and was just in Sweden with the new show. So, um, so I've been so grateful and, and not only from the shows, but just as a personal point, as an actor, I also did like 30 readings on zoom and, and I'm now I have an in-person reading, uh, in, uh, in two weeks. So it's really been, I've been very lucky with the opportunities that, the what the pandemic did with my career was more doing it not in person but it didn't stop me from acting and even acting class was on zoom so I was still taking class a film class um, uh, as well because I love film and television so I I it it didn't stop me and in in fact it was like okay well what what can we do if, 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 if plan A isn't working, then we go to plan B. If plan B isn't working, we go to plan C and we go down the plans until something works. And that's what happened. And that's what I, how I operate. Just more uh, of that perseverance. <laughs> yeah, right, right. It's, it's, it, it was a lateral thing that happened because I, you know, even when I had cancer, uh, when I felt well enough, I performed improv with my improv group with a scarf on my head and no hair. And, you know, in between chemo treatments, I even auditioned for a, a film two days after I had lumpectomy surgery. Mm -hmm. And um, my mom, I was like, I had surgery on a Friday and the audition was Sunday. And I was like bandaged, all bandaged. 
And I got an audition. I'm like, yeah, I'm going. And my mom's like, you are not going. And I'm like, yes, I am. (laughs) And then she goes, well, if you're going, then I'm going with you. So she came with me to the audition. (laughs) The director's like, oh, you brought your mother. Hello, Rhoda. Nice to meet you. Like, and I later, (laughs) a year later, I told them why. Cause I was like, I didn't tell you that I, and I couldn't move my arm. So like when I was like, oh, hi, Peter, you know, I was like, you know, it was like, it was like that Seinfeld episode with um, uh, Molly Shannon with her, you know, like she had that funny thing with her arms. And it was like, I had this funny thing with my arms because I couldn't move. And, um, uh, but I, I wasn't going to not audition. And of course, when I did, did I want to collapse and like have no energy? Absolutely. Was that a stupid thing? Absolutely. With what <laughs> I'm crazy, but I, you know, like that was insane to do it after major surgery, but that was just my defiance. Like I'm, I'm going to defy cancer, you know? And, uh, and I was like, nope, I'm doing it anyway. But, and, and luckily my mom was with me because afterwards I was like, Oh mom, I, uh, I don't feel so good. Uh-huh. Cause you know, I, and so, but it's that what the word you said earlier, perseverance and determination. Yeah. And to keep going no matter what. <laughs> um, so how many how many countries have you performed in then? Four. Um, Iceland, Finland, Sweden, and England. Oh. And uh, I'm planning to go back uh, to, uh, to Europe and hopefully back to Finland and Sweden. And I have I, um, already... Uh, bookings for the pink Hulk and also the new show baggage from Baghdad that I just did. So uh, I am not, yeah, I'm just going to keep going. So I'm very excited for 2023 um, and 2024 and beyond. So uh, I'm, and I'm grateful for the opportunities. And, and the other thing is that I love the friends that I've made I've made lifelong friends and I went back to Sweden and Iceland this year and I felt like it was family. Like I didn't feel like they were play festivals. i just felt like, you know, like, Oh, hi, nice to meet you. I was like, Hey, let's go out. Like, Oh my God, it's so great to see you. Like it was, it was a reunion. It wasn't. Yeah. It was a reunion. It was like, it was like a reunion and it was a blast. And I just felt like I made lifelong friends and, and, and that's not just in Europe, but I've friend, a friend that I met in Orlando and Indiana, we were in festivals together and he's coming to New York and I'm going to see him. And, you know, um, it, you just, it's just the friends that you make are just priceless. And I think that's what I love the most. And also family, uh, it's brought my family together. I did the show in Virginia beach, the pink Hulk, and, um, and my whole family flew in and we were all together. And it was like the first time the five of us were all together as just the family in so long. And it was really special to be in my hometown and all my high school friends came and then I did it in Richmond and that's where I, Richmond, Virginia, where I lived before Virginia beach and all my Richmond friends were there and since I knowing me since I was six years old. 
So it's, you know, my cousins have come to the show that live in New York um, and on Long Island. And it's just been, it's just been a really, I met family I've never met before. I went to Providence, Rhode Island, and I have cousins there. And I was like, hi, I'm in town. And they had me over for dinner. I mean, it was just, it was, it was lovely. Uh, It's been a lovely experience. And, and cancer did that for me, Mm -hmm. right? Look what cancer did for me. You know, what, what gift it became for me you know, um, and I had, I, I, you know, I, I, uh, out of this, out of mud, the lotus flower blooms, right? Out of the mud, the lotus flower blooms. So there was some mud, (laughs) (laughs) but it bloomed. Yeah. And, and, you know, and then baggage from Baghdad uh, and that the full is baggage from Baghdad becoming my father's daughter is about my uh, family, my father's family fleeing Iraq in 1941 from a pogrom called the Farhud. And uh, it was um, an, a violent uprising um, against the Jews of Baghdad. And they had to flee that night. Um, again, it was, it was a Middle Eastern pogrom and they had to leave with what they could carry. And unfortunately it's what's happening today. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's a story that is universal because it's not, it's, it's persecution of any religion, persecution of sexual orientation. It represents the prejudice and discrimination that's happening and growing and um, and it's also a love letter to my father and uh, and a uh, and I want to honor him and his legacy because he passed away this year and uh, he knew about the show and I read him excerpts from it and um, he had you know my I we I had a reading of it in March um, at a at a uh, theater Goddard Riverside. And we knew he was not, we didn't know it was any day now thing. And they, my parents were like, we want you to do the show. And so I, my plan was to do the show in March at the end of March and come home. And uh, he passed the night before the reading. Mm -hmm. Um, And my mom said, you know, your dad is gone and you're going to do your reading tomorrow you have to do it. And I was like, okay. And that was the hardest performance I have ever had. Doesn't the three, the getting diagnosed with cancer when the pink Hulk opened was a piece of cake compared to this. This was the hardest. And, um, and I am so proud of the show and and my family's very proud. I just wish my dad got to see it in full. And part of the writing process for me, especially is that a show has to grow and develop. And so I had several readings um, of the show and then it was a full production in um, Gothenburg 
Fringe Festival and Stockholm Fringe Festival. And its first production off book in Stockholm, it won the top theater award. And I was so, it was, that was the proudest moment of my life. The proudest moment of my life, because it's about my father and about my family and to honor them is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I want to always honor the, my amazing family. So it was really a, so grateful and also was really sad because my dad doesn't know. Maybe he does. <laughs> you know, maybe he, he can, you know, I can get Whoopi Goldberg from the movie Ghost to have my dad inhabit, inhabit her. Um, what was her uh, um, her character's name? I love that movie. Um, uh, Oda Mae Brown. I need an Oda Mae Brown to bring my dad back so he can see this. Um, so it was, you know, it was really a very special moment uh, for my family and for me. And, um, and so it, it, you know, it was just a mountaintop moment. Uh, and I think I'm still, this just happened just like three weeks ago. So I'm still, uh, so like, and so even it's still developing because, you know, a show for the very first time up is never finished. Um, and it, it, I'm, I'm, I know I, there's things I'm going to fix that, or I'm going to change that or add, but it was an affirmation that there's something there and I'm doing it next year already. Uh, and, and actually December 11th, I'm doing it, um, with a green tall theater, um, green tall cultural center with a wonderful woman, Monica, who's, um, going to be, um, having it at her theater. So uh, I'm very, very excited for that. And also the message of, I think, um, whereas the pink Hulk is the cancer and the advocacy baggage from Baghdad is the immigrant story and the discrimination and prejudice. So it's like, these are two huge, huge issues going on. Uh, and um, I'm, I'm hoping to uh, educate by both shows inspire and shed light on something that we don't talk about, you know, with cancer, you know, I, in the show, I talk about um, menopause and infertility and, you know, things that happen and in baggage from Baghdad, I talk about the discrimination I've had growing up um, and what my father went through um, and having to leave his homeland and, and the generational trauma that goes with that because they never talked about it. And then we didn't know until later in life, we didn't ever want us to learn the language. Um, it, they wanted to forget their past. Um, and I understand that completely because it was so painful. And I remember, um, I had interviewed them not knowing I would be doing a story a few years later. And my aunt, uh, Denise had a doll and she said, 
to my her mother like are we are we coming back and she's like yeah we'll come back for the doll and they never came back and my aunt's like crying going I missed that doll you know like I like like she's like I want she's like 77 and she's like I you know my mom said we I would I'd come back for the doll and I didn't come back for that doll and it was just like oh my god like it was so you know I, I mean just the impact that that had on them and you know coming to this country and and English wasn't their first language it was Arabic and French and mm -hmm. so just having to adjust you know my dad said that in school when they were called on after Iraq they went to India and then America they if, if a teacher called on them they would you know stand up and and so when he did that in America the kids were laughing at him you know, like, like, uh, like, and they called him a dirty Arab, you know, so it's just, Aww. yeah, I mean, my, yeah, my Aww. poor dad. So, yeah, so, so it's, and that's in the show. And so it also, uh, bullying, you know, it's about being bullied. Mm -hmm. And I was bullied as a kid too. So, uh, yeah, the Hulk wasn't yeah. there yet. <laughs> no. The I Hulk mean, hadn't, hadn't formed yet. So, yeah. So it's, so I'm looking forward to, to that. Uh, those, those, uh, I'd love to do the shows together, like do it on a Thursday somewhere and, and then have them coming back and have me do it on a Saturday or a Monday or a Wednesday or a Monday and a Tuesday, you know, or a whole run of it, five shows of pink hole, five shows of baggage from Baghdad. So I'm uh, really looking forward to, 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 to the future for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry that you lost your father at, yeah. at that time. I wish he would have been able to see it. Um, yeah, me too. And I, yeah. And I, it, it's been hard, you know, it's a, it's a big hole. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, you know, grateful. My mother's still with us and, you know, I have two sisters and nieces and nephew and uh, lots of cousins and aunts and everything. Um, and, uh, it's, so it's, it, it's, that was the hard part. Like, you know, I, I was, I think that was the hard part, like having him not here to see it. And, and, uh, he passed at 89 and I know that he had a wonderful life and, and lived a long life and also had cancer stage four prostate cancer. And also was, he was my inspiration. Oh, wow. you know? Cause we would have treatment at the same time, but he was like, like, he was like, I said, I said, dad, and I'd be crying. And I'm like, how are you not like upset by this or crying with treatment or sad or whatever? And he goes, eh. he's like, it is what it is. And I was like, I wish I could be like that. So he was my inspiration and my superhero, uh, as well as my mom. It was just interesting how we would even, we even found out we had stage four cancer almost at the same time with his prostate and mind breast. It was like crazy. Like we were like in sync in the worst way. <laughs> you know, like, don't be in sync like that. It was like, we were having treatment at the same time. We were getting diagnosed at the same time. And in fact, I didn't tell them about it for a little while, for a couple of weeks because I, I had told my sisters, but I was, I, and they understood, I was like, I wasn't gonna, 
chime in about me if dad just found out about him and I was like I'm gonna wait a little bit and yeah. so Tony put this on you also <laughs> yeah I was like I'm not gonna add anything more on your plate like and and they understood that and and in fact the interesting part was that the first time I had cancer, it was like, Oh, ah," you know, and then the second, Oh no. Then the third, my mom's like, I'm mad. (laughs) I'm really mad. And she's like, well, we're just going to have to kick it again. Like, it was just like, no, like no one was crying. Like nobody, it was like, all right, here we go. Let's go back on the merry-go-round. Here we go. And that was really, uh, that was so, surreal like like compared from the first time where I was like 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 devastated and then it was like okay all right here we go Mm -hmm. and it was and that's where I think that that I've grown and my whole family we've all grown through this between my dad's cancer and my cancer and um I think you know we've grown as a family and other things that happen in our family. We, every family goes through so much, uh, not just from cancer, but we all are going through all of everything in our lives. So I think, uh, it, it was, um, it was definitely something where I felt like, uh, I was, I was just grateful that, you know, everyone stepped up to help. It wasn't like, oh, cause you, you hear, you know, and I was used to be in support groups and you hear, I know I, so-and-so and so-and-so I don't, you know, I don't hear from them or, you know, and I did have a few friends that fell off, you know, Columbus fell off the, the, the earth, but that happens and it's okay. Um, and that's a natural part of life. You just have to embrace the friends that are always going to be there for you. And there's some that are not, and that's okay. And you bless them and release them you know, and yeah. let it go. Cause you write like that frozen song, let it go. It's, you just have to let it go. Cause things happen in life and people change and you change and the world changes and you have to adjust. And sometimes it's not what you want, but you have to figure out a way to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? Definitely. Right. So. And yeah, not every person, like people are, some people are for different parts of seasons of your life. Correct. You know, and yes. Yes, I definitely. And just the other day, for some reason, I was like, I hadn't talked to a friend since 2014. Like all of a sudden her name popped in my head and I was like, I'm going to call her. And I called her and it's still the same cell phone number. And I was like, I haven't heard back from her and I probably won't. But I was like, I was like, I was like, why did I, why did, why aren't, what happened? I don't even remember why we're not in touch anymore. But all of a sudden I was walking down the street and I was like, I'm going to call her. And I called her and, and maybe that was just that time in my life. And from, you know, 2014 and earlier that we were friends and, and, you know, I don't, I, I'm not even sure she's even in New York state anymore, but, but it was just funny. Like, like, I think you said it so perfectly that there's those times of your life where those people are there for a reason. And then they're not there for a reason. Um, and there's no rhyme or reason about it, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I had, I felt, I was feeling very nostalgic and I was like, 
gosh, we had a lot of fun together, especially at karaoke, you know, like <laughs> we did karaoke duets all the time, you know, I'm like, that was so fun at Bliss Bar in Queens. And then we drink at Sidetracks Bar and Grill. So yeah, it was, so I think, uh, th- people are there for a reason mm-hmm. sometimes and things change and, um, you know, so you just have to embrace what you have. And, and I think, I've learned a lot of gratitude and, and I think that's very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I am very inspired by you in so many ways. And I, uh-huh. you know, I just, you, you talk so much about like the connections be- between people and how it's just really beautiful. Like, you know, right. you're, you know, talk you know the way that you talk about your audience and your family and you know your friends and yeah it's just I obviously those are the things that are really the most important they are (laughs) yeah they are and and the relationships that you build you know you have to I was talking to someone the other day about especially with acting it was like you can do it 24 7 but you shouldn't, you know, you have to live your life, go to a baseball game, <laughs> like go, uh, you know, do just do everything to be well-rounded, be a well-rounded person. And you can't just have this one focus, do different things, you know, bungee jump tomorrow. And then, you know, go to a pottery class, like just, just do go to a yoga class, just do different things. And, and we were talking about that with acting. Cause it's like, I could look at a script all day and do this all day, but you have to kind of live your life. And we were talking that you can't really act a part if you're don't draw from a life you don't have, mm-hmm. you know, I, cause everything I do, I draw from my life and, um, and you can't draw from life if you're not living a life. And so I think that was, it was just an interesting thing to talk about because obviously uh, things have been affected by the pandemic and theaters are closing and things are you know, changing as we speak. Um, Tony award-winning shows are closing, mm. but you have to keep going and you have to find a way. And, um, and if something, if a door shuts, then you've got to figure out what door, um, you know, like Encanto, I love that movie. And it's like that door, like everybody gets their door. Mm-hmm. So you have to make your door, um, you know, and it's, it's a, probably not a great analogy with the, <laughs> with the movie, but it just kind of reminded me of that. Like, like when, you know, everybody had their moment, everyone has their time. And then you create that. And so, you know, Dorothy with her red slippers could go home anytime, but, but she didn't realize that. So you have to realize I, where, where are my red Ruby slippers? How can I find a way back home if I'm lost? And, Mm -hmm. and, and that's the other thing too. Um, You're just making me think too, that I had mentioned about support groups that, it's not easy. And, you know, I'm in a grief, a bereavement support group. Like I, I know I don't, I ask for, I don't worry about asking for help. And in fact, when it was my dad's birthday, I actually um, took the day off 
like I was like, because, and I said that I was like, I'm going to take the day off for my father's birthday for the first time that he's not here. So I feel that self-care and speaking up for what you need is really important. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I'm not afraid to ask for help. And, and, you know, the times have been trying and I, you know, fully admit that I need help and I'm not afraid to get it. And, uh, and I think that's a huge thing for all of us to realize that it's okay not to be okay. And we've heard that a thousand times. It's okay not to be okay. And it's okay to cry. Um, I, after one of the shows in Sweden and I was doing this curtain speech and I was like, here it comes. And like all, like, I was like, okay, um, the, the tsunami of tears are coming. And I was like, and I'm, I said to the audience, I'm not apologizing. I said, this is where I'm at. I miss my dad and I wish he were here and I'm going to cry. <laughs> you know? so, and then I stopped crying. Cause I think I, I put it out there like it's coming. And, you know, I did cry, but I, you know, I was like, you have to be how you are in the moment. And I was like, I'm not going to deny that I need help. I need a support group. I'm having a hard time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important to recognize and not be like, I'm fine. No, I'm not fine. I'm not fine. Yeah. And nope. And, you know, and you had mentioned career change. Maybe you were like, nope. I need a career change. Like I need to make a change for myself mm-hmm. and we have to, we have to recognize that about ourselves. What do we need and what, what can we, what can we do for ourselves and how do we express how, what we need? And I think cancer taught me that, right. When I just told you like that $1,700 bill earlier, I was like, um, no, <laughs> you know, like, I was like, I need for you not to keep sending me my balance is $1,700, not going to do it. And then I had two different bills in cancer treatment for almost $5,000 out of pocket, out of pocket. So insurance got a billion dollars and I still had to pay like 5,000. And so I called the financial department at the hospital. This is my first hospital I was at. And they're like, well, we can set up a payment plan. I'm like, I don't want a payment plan. I'm like, you have gotten thousands of dollars. What is this to you? And they're like, okay, zero. Didn't pay them back. And they pardoned it. And, And I was like, how do you expect me to pay $10,000 of my own money when I'm in, in getting cancer treatment? Yeah. A little cruel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was like, really? Sure. I'm trying to survive. And you just slapped on a $10,000 bill between the two bills. And we, you know, one of the highest forms, if not the highest form of bankruptcy is from health, you know, health. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, people become homeless because of uh, health. Right. right. Yeah. The medication I was on was thousands of dollars a month if I paid out of pocket. And it was $3. And the one now is a dollar a month. And I don't even want to say how much it retails for. So I think that's something that's really uh, important to recognize um, that, that, that 
to say, no, I'm like, I don't want a payment plan. I can't afford this. I'm working as much as I can through treatment and I'm, mm. so I think that's where patient advocacy and just plain old advocacy for yourself works. If you, if you're not, haven't gotten a raise in a long time, right? Let's say a scenario and you're like, I haven't gotten a raise. I've been doing the work. Where's my raise? You know, like you're not going to get, you know, a a company isn't going to go, we're going to give you a raise. You have to go, I need, you know, hello. Right. And so you have to, you have to do that, you know, for yourself a hard time because they everyone wants to be nice everyone wants to be liked so that they just like let themselves get like screwed over all the time and they live their lives for other people and making other people happy it's so true but you can be nice I was very nice when I said yeah I was like thank you thank you for sending this and no I'm not gonna pay it and I was nice as pie yeah. you can still be nice you know, that's the thing. I didn't have to be like, I'm not paying this bill. Right. So you can be nice, but you know, also, you know, what's the end game from this? So, yeah, but you're right. I mean, but people are afraid to stick up from themselves They're They want to be like, they don't want to cause, you know, seem difficult, but you don't, you, you can still speak your mind and not be viewed as difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You can, I mean, and quite frankly, you being kind actually might like probably worked in your favor. Uh, you know, like my grandma used to always say, you get more flies with, with honey than you do with vinegar. That's so know? true. It's true. Yeah. Like probably they would have hung up on me if I was like, I'm not paying it. But yeah. I was like, you know, I'm in this X, Y, and Z and I, you know, really, really, you know, I have a, a I bill for $3, you know, I'll pay that. I'm fine with that. I'm not going to be like, that's $3, you know, but, yeah. but, you know, I mean, I'm not going to, I don't do that for every bill. I can pay a $3 bill, but if it's $3,000, you know, if there's a few more zeros behind that. Mm, yeah not when when they're getting a lot from yeah. my insurance company I I I've shuddered to think now you know how many years of I've racked up that you know uh with all with all of this and continue to you know, <laughs> it's okay. uh, I mean you know that's what they're that's what they're there for right I know I know I'm not very popular with insurance companies, probably. They get plenty of money out of all the other people that don't ever go to the doctor. So yeah, yeah, that's true. And 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 we hope no one. I hope no one uses. And I can shout it from the mountaintops. I hope you never use your insurance. I hope you never have to use it, ever. You know, just pay (laughs) the uh, just the premium or whatever. You know, just to cover it, but. I hope you never use it. <laughs> yeah. Um, how did you get started in theater? Um, I loved performing and it was funny. Like I was like thinking of like, when did I really, really start? And I always say first grade, but it was actually before first grade. Like when I was probably like five, 
I did um, Chim Chimmer, Chim Chimmery, Chim Chimmery. I can't even say it anymore. Um, with a broom and a big thing on my head, dancing around in this class. But then I had the funniest memory about that I never really talked about before. But I, when I was a Girl Scout, you know, you get badges. And one of the badges that I wanted to get was um, the for music. So as a Girl Scout, I had to sing a song in front of the troop. And I picked Evergreen because I was obsessed with Barbara Streisand. But it was like, you know, like not appropriate lyrics for a child. It's like, you know, um, uh, you know, like a rose, you know, under the April snow. You know, I just like, like, there was like, what is this one lyric I was looking up the other day? Like, I was just thinking about how funny the lyrics were that I was like a kid singing it. And I was like, it was like, you know, basically kind of singing that you were sleeping with somebody, you know, like <laughs> one heart, one beat, you know, like comes to one, like, like, I didn't even realize what I was singing was probably like, like, you know, hooking up as, you know, um, and I was kind of laughing. I was like, uh, but I loved the song and I loved, you know, ageless, you know, ever, you know, ever, you know, I'm not going to say it now, but it was really funny. So I, I was like, so I remember getting my music badge, you know, um, and you know, or the first lyrics like love, um, soft as an easy chair, love fresh as the morning air. One love can be shared by two. I have found with you, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, how old am I? I'm like, I'm still playing with Barbie dolls. Yeah. So yeah, so but I yeah, I always had been a performer, like I always wanted to perform and uh and I love improv and I think improv was such a great door to open because um it's so much fun and you could be anybody you want you could be a cyclops who you know dances with a le you know one leg and a cane and you know and uh and and you're 80 years old like you know like you could it you could be anything you want to be and and create whatever you want to be and then it's also great listening because you have to the key to improv is listening to your other partner and and making your scene partner look good not you it's about your scene partner so i've always performed and my my mom said that i don't remember this but in when we were living in new york that I would, I was yelling in front of the TV. I can't get out. Help me get out. I'm stuck in the TV, you know, like, like, yeah, I was quite the kid, but I've always, you know, I was the class clown, you know, I was always like joking, you know, being a jokester. Um, so I think I always, I think it comes from being the youngest, I think of three, the ham of the family. I was definitely the ham and always playing jokes and, you know, just doing crazy things. And, you know, we would make houses at like my sister and I, I can't even remember making me remember this. Thank you. It's a great memory. We'd, we had double beds, you know, or twin beds or whatever. 
side by side and we would put a cloth over it and make a tent, you know, and have like the flashlight, like all that goofy stuff, or we take pillows and make things out of, you know, uh, um, we had a disco uh, when we were kids, like a little disco. We put aluminum foil on on, on the walls oh, cute. <laughs> and had like birthday parties and, you know, a lot of, a lot of, yeah, we were very, all three of us were very creative. Um, but just like, you know, making something out of nothing, our towels were, you know, we were from Egypt or we had long blonde hair with a towel and yeah you know what I'm saying? Like you just do all these wacky things or you'd make a toga out of the sheets, like Greek toga, you're a Greek goddess out of a, you know, toga from the bed sheet and doing all kinds of stuff. So yeah, it's, it started probably when I was in my mom's stomach, I was probably (laughs) like dancing in her stomach, you know, from an early age. She could hear me sing, you know, as well as I could hear her sing. (laughs) Oh, yeah, those I mean, those childhood memories are so, so great. Like, you have you have the same, right? The towel on the head and all that. Yeah, because I can see you shaking your head like, yeah, we did it. We did it. You know, and and with the brothers and sisters you have. Yeah, I have an older brother and a younger sister. Oh, wow. Wow. To this day, I still remember this song that my brother made made up. Oh my gosh! Camping. Oh my gosh! Do you remember it? Do you want to share it? Oh uh, my sure. It goes camping in the night. You feel uh, a great big fright when you're camping in the night. Ooh, the creatures come and get you. They are good creatures. They got cool movie features. Oh my God, that's hilarious. Oh my God, you need to record it and like put it out in the world. Oh my gosh, (laughs) that is awesome. Yeah. I I love it. The fact that I still remember that from like being six years old is. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Yeah, like you're, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I don't remember it. Oh my God, there it is. You know, that's really funny. So I totally, I totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What a great memory. Yeah. Your childhood. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. How do you define fun? Um defining fun where you laugh so hard you can't breathe that's fun like laughing where you're just like you can't breathe that's fun like the like like belly laughs that like that will make you double over because you're laughing so hard that's fun yeah I love that feeling (laughs) yeah I do too laughter equals fun fun equals laughter so definitely when's the last time you laughed that hard the last time like one of the the times where I actually thought I was gonna die from laughing um I my best friend from high school John Michael we were in a production of the Wizard of Oz and the guy scammed everybody like he like he said that we'd be on NBC and we'd have waterfalls for the Emerald City and all this stuff. And it was a total scam. And we had um, scaffolding 
and uh, with Christmas decorations, that was Emerald City. And, um, and I had several different parts, so it was videotaped. And so John Michael and I, I, I still have the videotape and uh, we watched it and we were howling. Cause like I was the bridge turner, like, like there was a scene where I had music and I would just turn, it wasn't a bridge, it was just this thing to, as Dorothy was going down, we were like, we're the bridge turners. And then we would, and then I was the Oz lady and I pulled on the, the uh, beat the, you know, the lion with my umbrella. And then he was the scarecrow and like, and then, and then we were the Emerald City singers and I wore this pink taffeta dress that I had worn for my 10th grade homecoming with big puffy sleeves that, you know, that were, that was like so, so unfashionable. And we were, we laughed, like we were crying. We were laughing so hard because we were just like, what in the world was this? And it was like this, like something I would never want TMZ to get a hold of, you know, you know, <laughs> for my future, you know, like, like, like torture me with it. But it was so like, literally like, and he was like the scarecrow. And then it was just like, it was like, it was, and then to see, how he we had been scammed like we were promised all this stuff and it was like nothing and we were just laughing and how goofy and I had all these little bit parts and he was the scarecrow and I think that was the last like that was like the one time where we actually were grabbing onto each other and we couldn't we couldn't we couldn't breathe we were laughing so hard just watching this video. I have to, I, I still have to watch it. I, I have it. I saw the VCR. So I have, I'm embarrassed to admit, but you know, I, I should put it in a DVD, but even DVDs don't really exist anymore these days. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So I think where you're with your best friend and you just, you, and you hadn't seen it in years. And so you don't even remember what was on it and then I was like oh that dress and I, and I thought it was the most beautiful dress and then I was like what was I thinking that is the ugliest taffeta pink mush of a dress I could you know like but I loved it back then and it was just, just huge sleeves like it was it was pretty funny so that's that was one of the best, most laughed I'd ever had and I will probably laugh that hard again if I see it again. Soon. Yeah, <laughs> it'll just be brought brought up all brought all brought up again. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, what is your play personality? So there's Joker, artist, explorer, collector, uh, competitor, kinesthetic. Right. Let's see. Um, uh, the other ones. <laughs> yes. Uh, there was, what was it? Um, say, wait, say them again. It was. Uh, Joker, artist, explorer, collector, storyteller, direct, director, kinesthetic, competitor. Um, I would say, um, let's see. Uh, I would say. Um, well, that's a great question. Um, I would definitely say um, explorer, joker for sure, artist, um, definitely collector of VCH te- v- 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 VHS tapes, um, 
uh, yeah, I would say joker, artist, explorer, collector, storyteller. Um, yeah, I think it would definitely be those. Yeah, it would definitely be those. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely. Some yeah. of those, like, I'm like, oh, well, clearly, clearly you're a storyteller. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, oh, yeah. And then I thought of that, I thought of that crazy evergreen lyric. It's like, when I was a kid, you and I will make each night the first every day of beginning. Oh, so, so I was like, I said that when I was like seven years old, you know, like you and I will make each night a first every day of beginning. And I'm like, oh, maybe I thought it was Barbie dolls. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like when you're young, it's just like, you know, things just go over your head. Yeah. And you're like, true. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, it just popped in my head. That's funny. Yeah. Um, what makes you feel luxurious? A bubble bath. Mm -hmm. Definitely a bubble bath. Yeah, like a like a or a bath that has like lavender or something. I just I love taking baths. I think that um, you know, one of the great coping mechanisms that's helped me is meditation. And I often do a meditation while I'm taking a bubble bath because it's like really comforting and really, yeah. So I love bubble baths. And also, um, yeah, I think that that makes me feel luxurious. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, what would be your dream vacation? Wow. Um, anywhere warm. I would definitely two. Th there are three places that I would want to go to that I've not been. Um, Costa Rica. Um, always wanted to go there. Always wanted to go to the Dominican Republic. I've met I've, so many Dominican Republic. Um, Dominican Republic. Can't, I can't even talk today. Sorry. Um, I'm. Uh, I there. I've just lovely, lovely people that I, I'm very close friends with and they always are, are telling me how amazing the Dominican Republic is and like how they love it. And so I'd like to go there and I've always wanted to go to new Orleans. Mm. Um, I just, cause I love jazz and I love, I, I would just love going, you know, the Cajun food and the, the music. Um, cause I've been to Nashville and Memphis and love those cities. Like every, Every, you just walk down the street and there's music blaring from every single venue. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And so I think, I think the, and the other thing I've always wanted to do, which I may do a little bit next year, um, like I love road tripping and I would love to do cross country, but I'm taking the show baggage from Baghdad to LA and I might try to go in California, drive to different places and, and try to set up doing the show. And, um, and I love, I would love doing that. Like I love driving and I love, and now that, you know, we've got the GPSs, like, you know, there, it's very easy to road trip instead of getting a map and a physical map and going, where are we? Yeah. Uh, right. Where are we going? I'm lost. Uh, so 
Um, so I think, yeah, I think any, anywhere like, like I love Daruba, I wouldn't mind going there again. And, you know, just any tropical place, Fiji, anywhere, uh, I'd love to go. Uh, but those three are my like places I'd really love to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what would be your perfect day? Uh, today was a perfect day. Um, beautiful sun and shine and being with friends. And I was with today, like, I think what we talked about, like just building relationships, like we played this crazy dice game I've never played before. And it was so much fun. Like it was dice. Like it wasn't a video game. It was dice. And it, we just had to roll the dice and get certain comedy. It was called um, um, Freakle or something. I forgot even the name of it. It doesn't even matter what the name of it was. It was just so fun to be with friends. And, and, and there's one point where I was talking to another friend and this guy goes, Valerie, are you in this game or not? You know, like, you guys, like, oh my God. like it was hilarious. I was like, sir, yes, sir. Like, he was like, you gotta be in it. It's quit talking, like, you know, to your friend, we're, we're playing a game. And, uh, and, it, and it was hilarious. And it was so much fun. Like, it was just like, you know, it was like, it was like, if we had thrown Q-tips, that was a game, you know, like how many Q-tips can you throw? Like, and I think that's a perfect day is to be with family and friends. Cause that's really what it's all about is our, our relationships. Oh, you, oh, our relationships is what really I think is a perfect day. Um, and being with your friends and family and tomorrow, you know, I'm seeing friends I haven't seen in since all this happened and I'm so excited. And we're like, I'm so excited to see you. So um, I think relationships are are a perfect day. Yeah, yes. I agree. Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, I'm gonna ask just one more question, just because I know we're nearing midnight, and I oh, like, yeah. I'm getting tired. <laughs> I'm gonna turn into a pumpkin. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I don't want you to just. No, I want to eat a pumpkin. I want a pumpkin pie. <laughs> um let's see Hmm. actually let's do let's do a little bit of word associate word association we'll do a few of those improv that's total improv all right um what do you think of when you think of home my mother and father yeah uh flower rose happy me pizza not enough of it (laughs) (laughs) oh never Uh, ocean virginia beach music um queen um uh freddie mercury yeah that's good uh car Honda, <laughs> my first car and only car. First and only, yeah. Yeah, because I live in the city. I don't have a car anymore. Honda, yeah. Um, ice. Cream. My favorite. Yeah. Uh, dog. Duffy. 
Yeah, my Scottish Terrier dog. No longer with us. Um, Computer. Annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Camera. Photo. Family. Miss it. Yeah. We'll, we'll end right there. <laughs> you. This was incredibly wonderful. I'm using wonderful again. Um, I'm honored to be on this and I can't thank you enough. And thank you for making me remember such amazing memories that I haven't remembered in so long. Like I'm even envisioning when my dad taught me how to bike and I remember the bike and the training wheels and the horn on the bike was this huge horn, Um, not a bell. It was a huge horn. Um, So I can't thank you enough for having me on here. Yeah, it's been a blast. So, so great to talk to you. Your, your story is beyond inspiring and really beautiful and you're a gift to the world. (laughs) Oh, you're a gift. And thank you for doing this and having this amazing podcast and with the biggest, greatest theme of all fun, fundamental, you. you know, that's, how we should live our life and you know when you were saying what is fun equals laughter fun equals family fun equals fulfillment fun equals you know enjoying life and that's you know that's it's nothing is worth it if it's not fun, (laughs) right? I'm not having fun. You know how many's like, I'm at this job. I'm not having fun. Or I'm in a relationship. I'm not having fun. You know, we have to, you know, turn that frown upside down. Yeah. And, And, you know, potentially do something scary, which is like to, like, if you're not having fun, you got to do something. (laughs) Exactly. You got to shake it up. You got to do, got it. And, and I think that's the hardest part is getting out of your comfort zone. And I, and I'm, I fall in that and I'm, I struggle constantly going, okay, get the safety net off. Yeah. Me too. You know, jump and don't worry that you're going to fall. It's okay. And it's also okay to fall. And, mm-hmm. um, cause it's, it's not, uh, how many times you fall. It's how many times you get up. And I really do believe that. Mm-hmm. I really do believe that. I think it's very true. Yeah. But yeah. I can't thank you enough. This was so great. Uh, I so appreciate it. Um, I hope we'll get to meet in person when I'm out. And so, yes. Yeah, so thank you so much. Yeah. You're very yeah. welcome. And thank yeah. you. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, we'll talk soon and hopefully see each other soon too. Definitely. You. Yeah. Okay. You're welcome. Have a good night. Me too. Okay, bye. 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 I just want to thank Valerie again for being on. It was so great to talk to you. And yeah, thank you for being on my little podcast. So I'm going to keep this outro short because it's a very long episode, but totally worth it. I did not edit 
like anything because every word was awesome and necessary and just she's just amazing so I hope that you enjoyed it I enjoyed being a part of it I enjoyed hearing her and you know if you ever have a chance to check out one of her shows I I I can't wait to check out one of her shows so I hope that you do too and I will be back with a new episode next week I love you have some fun and I'll see you